Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. And I too want to wish all the moms and grandmothers among us a very happy Mother's Day. And what I want to talk to us about today is change. The changes we've experienced and how they have actually changed us. So I invite you to think back to March of 2020, okay, 14 months ago. What has changed in your life since then? Is everything kind of same old, same old? I doubt it. What's changed about your work? Maybe some of you have lost a job, or maybe now you work partly or exclusively from home. If, you're, if you commute, do you use public transportation? If you used to travel a lot for work, are you racking up many frequent flyer miles these days? How about your relational world? Did you start a new relationship or maybe end one? Are your relationships more strained or more healthy these days? Did you get a pandemic rescue pet? This is Howie, my daughter's rescue dog that she got in March of 2020. Yeah, I know, he's so cute. Also, I want to ask you physically what has changed. Some people have experienced some weight gain, Maybe you saw this photo of Mark Wahlberg last week. He kind of put on a few pounds for a role he's going to play. And then some people went the opposite direction. I mean, I don't really want to brag, but I've really been working on my abs during the pandemic. Here's a picture of my new abs. Isn't that great? <laughs> Got my hair extension there. Yeah. Just takes a little bit of work. Other changes. Students. Oh, my goodness. Doing school from home or hybrid. We've had so much less time in restaurants and pubs. We have a brand new president. And then there's the price of food and diapers and rental cars and lumber. All of that's gone up. But also, some of us are getting kind of used to these checks from the government for $600 or $1,200 or $2,400. And then, no doubt, there are some among us who have experienced loss in the last year. Maybe someone that you've lost, a loved one, and we're grieving that. And then for those of us in the room today, gathering has really changed. I mean, we're worshiping with masks on, for crying out loud. Don't you remember the days when we were shoulder to shoulder and really tight in this room? Now afterwards, you have those tentative hugs. You're not sure whether it's okay to hug someone. So much change. And with or without a pandemic, our lives are a series of, of changes, but it's been on this massive scale this year. And when the changes are difficult, some of them are difficult, right? What do we do to hold on to our faith? What can ground us when the winds of change are blowing in our lives and we feel such tremendous uncertainty? Well, our psalm for today points the way for us. So I invite you, if you have a Bible or on your screen, to go to Psalm 136. Psalm 136. And as you're heading there, I want to remind us all that the Psalms are essentially songs, right? And so this particular song was used in worship among the people where there would be a leader out front, and I'm going to play that part in a moment, and then the worshipers would respond with a refrain. That refrain is repeated in all of the 26 verses in this Psalm. And the phrase is translated a few different ways. In some Bibles it says, his love never changes or his, I'm sorry, his love endures forever. In the message version, it says his love never quits. 
But I think my favorite is the version that says that his steadfast love endures forever. I want to look just for a second at the definition of the word steadfast. Look at this with me. It's a firm loyalty and unswerving dedication, immovable, irrefutable, unchangeable, unalterable, and completely and utterly dependable and determined. What a great word. The word steadfast is used in the scripture frequently, but 127 times in the Psalms alone. Just saying the word makes us feel strong and protected, steadfast, right? So Psalm 136 is divided into three sections. After the big picture introduction, it moves on to a section that focuses on God's creation. And then the next part is specific times that God showed up for the children of Israel and delivered them. So I'm going to invite my friend Tito from the worship team to come up here for a moment, and he's going to help us. What we're going to do, and we're not going to do the whole psalm. I know you're disappointed. We're not going to do the whole thing, but we'll do the first nine verses. I'm going to be the leader, and then you're going to respond with Tito's leadership with his steadfast love endures forever. Now, I think we need to practice, okay? So let's give it a shot. I'm going to say the first part, and then you follow Tito. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Okay, that was really pathetic. Okay, we got to try that again. Wake up, everybody. You're going to say this nine times, and I want the energy to go up, not down. Okay, here we go. Let's bring it, guys. Yeah, come on, Tito. Help him. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His steadfast love endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders. His steadfast love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens. His steadfast love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. His steadfast love endures forever. Who made the great lights. His steadfast love endures forever. You're almost done. Don't quit on me now. The sun to govern the day. His steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to govern the night. His steadfast love endures forever. Excellent. You are way better than the nine o'clock. Thank you, Tito. Thank you, guys. Now, picture this. That psalm goes on for 16 more verses. And you can imagine how this truth about God's steadfast love would be reinforced with each refrain. Every, all this repetition, building trust and confidence in the people for God's steadfast love, for the love that never quits. And when we speak these words about his steadfast love and look around at one another, it's as though we're saying to each other, hey, hey, you, you, you too, you too, whatever circumstances you are in, his steadfast love will be with you. It will endure forever. It will never, ever quit. You know, our lives are a series of seasons. And looking around the room, I would say that I've been through more seasons than some of you. I've been around for a lot of them. And I find it really helpful to reflect back on the seasons as a mom. Our focus today is going to be seasons for everyone, but I think once a year it's okay to have an extra special focus on moms. So when we think of seasons in our lives, I want to encourage us to give a name to each season. So what would you call the season you're in right now if you had to give it a name? Try not to use any naughty words, okay? Um, I think back to some of the seasons that I had as a mom. Early on, of course, there was the will I ever sleep through the night again season. 
Uh, oddly, I'm revisiting that one now, which is really weird. As you get old, you can't sleep through the night either. And then with two little ones at home, I had a season that I like to call the why do you get to go to the grocery store season. Um, this is because I don't love the grocery store, but if you're, if you're married and you're, you and your spouse, somebody has to go, when they're really little, it's the better option to go. And I would get in the car and it was the time I could feel like an adult again for a moment, wander around a store, take way too long than was really necessary, honestly, make a few extra stops. It was glorious. It was just this little break. Then when the girls got into uh, middle school and high school, I remember a season that I'm going to call, I have no idea what to say, season. This is because tweens and teens come to you with requests maybe to go to a certain party or to add another activity to their lives or, or harder yet, they might ask you questions about life and about God that are truly hard to answer. Some parents who were further along than us uh, with the seasons gave us some great advice. They told us, don't answer too quickly if you can. Buy some time. Tell your kids that you will think about it and pray about it and you're going to get back to them and then get on your knees and you know, beg God for wisdom. I remember when my girls went off to college, we had another season, the why is it so quiet season, learning how to cook for just one or two people and how to reground my identity. Whether you're a mom or not, I challenge you to name your season, the season you find yourself in now. I tell my daughter Johanna, who's 28, that she's in the on the brink of everything season. I got that from a book titled by Parker Palmer. I mean, she, has, as I showed you, added a dog, but also she, during the pandemic, has found a new way to volunteer. She's in a new relationship, and then just recently she started a new job on the brink of everything. But maybe you hear that and you interpret it a little differently and you think, well, in my season, I feel like I'm on the brink of disaster. Or maybe it's a season where you just feel stuck. You might have trouble seeing what lies ahead. Maybe some of you are dealing with some financial insecurity, some health concerns, or a broken relationship. So many more people than ever are facing mental health issues. Is that you? Is this a time when you struggle with depression or anxiety? Give your season a name. Be fiercely honest as you give it a name, and creative, too. You know, writer Susan Alexander Yates says we have a couple myths about our season. The first myth she describes is this. We think to ourselves, this season will never end. Surely many of us have felt that way about COVID. I mean, all these changes have gone much longer and much further than any of us could have possibly imagined. I remember as a mom thinking certain seasons would never end, like the potty training. My girls weren't too quick with that. Uh, braces, they were in, it seemed like a decade they were both in braces. And then the chauffeuring season, when you're taking kids everywhere and you think this is never going to end, but eventually, eventually every season ends, right? I've shared before the teaching from William Bridges, who's an expert on transitions and change. And he says there's three phases to change. It always begins with an ending. And then this leads to a neutral zone in the middle, followed by new beginnings. But all change begins with something ending. And we have to ask ourselves a couple questions, like, what is over now? Name it. What is over now? And what do I need to let go of? 
You know, even transitions that we welcome, or maybe even initiated, still include something that we're losing. Often there's grief for what we're leaving behind. Actually, sometimes there's celebration. I don't know if I've told you the story about my daughter, Samantha, but she had a math teacher named Mrs. Cherry. And Mrs. Cherry was probably a genius, but she couldn't explain math to students in any way that they could understand. And every day in that class was a battle for Sam. When we got to the end of that year and she was all done, we had a dinner at home and I baked a cherry pie. Actually, I think I bought a cherry pie, but anyway, we had cherry pie and it was a goodbye Mrs. Cherry celebration. A season was finally ending. Now after endings, there's a neutral zone in the middle. Some people call it the land between. John Jorgensen taught about this not too long ago. It's that time of waiting. It's the time when you've let go of one trapeze, so you're, you're done with that, but you haven't quite caught the other trapeze, so you're sort of suspended in the middle. And then finally, there's that season of new beginnings. It's exhilarating, but also often quite tentative. We can look outside and see God's metaphor for new beginnings right now in spring, where everything is bursting in bloom and winter's brown is turning into green. It's a great metaphor when we long for change. And when I remind myself if I'm in a difficult season, you know what, I think in Chicago sometimes that winter will never end, but it does, doesn't it? Every year, every year, spring eventually shows up. And we feel that energy now, don't we, with pandemic finally making some shifts and coming to a close, human connection once again. So the first myth, that this season will never end ultimately proves to be false. The second myth is this, I am alone in this season, or no one else has ever experienced this before. And I would call that a lie. We basically start to believe that everyone else is able to cope and even flourish while we're floundering in our season. I think this is especially true for moms. I have to tell you, I am so grateful that when I was a mom of young children, social media was not a thing. Because I already had enough challenge comparing myself to other moms. If I had to look on Instagram and see all their stuff and creative ideas, it would have wrecked me. When the pandemic first began, my older daughter, Samantha, wrote a piece. It's about a young mom hiding in her closet, and I want to show it to you. And as you watch this, remember, this was written at the very beginning of the pandemic when we were all completely quarantined. So take a look at this. Hi there. Jane's mom. I got your number off the class list. How's it going? Quick question, and I'm sending you a video so that you can correct me, but what is the hand motion that Miss Molly has all the kids do to get them to clean up? I've been doing clean up, clean up, but Jane tells me that's nothing like how Miss Molly does it and refuses to clean up her school stuff. So if you could send me a video of you doing it correctly, uh, my floors would really appreciate it. Oh, sorry I'm in my closet. Everything's fine. I'm just realizing you probably don't even need the cleanup song because your house is so clean in all of your pictures. You probably did the zone thing that everybody said to do. Work zone, play zone. We, uh... It's all one zone over here. Just sort of a try zone. Try to work, try to play, try not to kill each other. <laughs> Except for this, the closet. This is my zone. This is where I self-quarantine from my self-quarantine. Remember jeans? 
it's funny, I want to be alone so badly, and then when I get alone, all I can think about are things I wish I'd done differently when we were together. Why did I say that like that? Why did she respond like that? Does this all go back to me not letting her quit soccer? Anyway, I'm actually very interesting. I, I do a lot of things. I'm pretty accomplished. I run a business. Well, one third of me runs a business. We should hang out. But yeah, if you could get me that cleanup hand motion, preferably before class gets out in three minutes. Gosh, don't you feel like these virtual classes could be a little bit longer? I just feel like kindergarten was four hours and now we go online and you only want them for 25 minutes? Okay, wow. I mean, I'm loving the extra family time, right? You just gotta savor these years. They go by so fast, so fast. So many great memories that we're making together. Like I saw how you guys built the stuffed animal houses out of recycled materials. Same day as the rainbow bath. Pretty cool. We uh, made a memory of 10 hours of everybody watching whatever they wanted to watch. We made that memory a couple times this week. So good thing Jane's too little to have a phone and see pictures of the life she could be living at your house. Are you guys really on that schedule that you posted? Are you sorting shapes right now? Are you? We should be sorting more shapes. What if Jane never learns her shapes? Her soccer coach is gonna be like, everybody circle up and she'll just be lost. She doesn't even like soccer. I'm not a train wreck. Don't go spreading that around Zoom. We, we, we actually had a pretty good day the other day. We laughed as much as we cried and everybody ate everything on their plate. And we went around and said something we were thankful for. I thought it was only gonna last one time and we just kept thinking of things. And then we read our favorite story and they wanted me to read it, not even a famous person online. But then I went to bed and it all just slipped away. I'm lying there going, that was a fluke. Tomorrow will be tough because one third of you can run a business, but one third of you can't raise a child. I mean, don't you just feel like there's not enough of you? I'm starting over every day and I'm no more equipped. You seem so equipped. When you're in bed and it's just you and it's quiet, do you feel gentle towards yourself? Just wondering. Oh, okay, <laughs> take two. So how about you? When you're in bed at night, you review your day, do you feel gentle toward yourself? I ask that of all of us, but for just a moment, I want to talk directly to moms. Maybe, like the mom in that story, you think there just isn't enough of you. And like I often did, you focus more on the things you did wrong than celebrating any of the small wins. Moms, I want you to know today that God says you are enough. He says you are enough. You are just the right mom for the child or children that he's entrusted to you. Absolutely no mom does it perfectly, and most of us are quite skilled at hiding it when we lose our patience for the seventh time in the same morning or raise our voice or are so distracted because we're multitasking and we're trying to do our job while we're trying to help them with school or whatever they're at. But on this Mother's Day, instead of focusing on the mistakes you think you've made, 
Celebrate the countless times you've loved your children well. So many times. I urge you to be gentle with yourself. To give yourself the grace that God wants to give you. To hold on to the steadfast love that never, ever quits. And that will walk with you in every season and with no matter what challenges you're currently facing. There's another psalm that I really treasure that I've been holding on to in recent months. And it gives a big picture of how God is with us in the seasons of life. It's Psalm 121, and it says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where did my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not stumble. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. He will watch over your coming and going, now and forevermore. Your coming and your going in every season, now and forevermore. His love never quits. Can you trust in that truth today? Our God sees you and he's watching you and he will be with you no matter what. I reflected back on my life a few weeks ago because I was going up to do a little writing retreat uh, in southern Wisconsin. And just driving up to that area, Lake Geneva and Delavan, uh, I feel myself breathing more deeply and slowing my pace. And that's because starting back when I was in high school, that is a place of retreat and gatherings for me that have really grown my love for Jesus and magnified my love for his people. I mean, that is the place where a little youth group I was a part of imagined what a new kind of church could be like. It's the place and over the years I participated in either leading or, or being a part of two to four retreats a year. But it's also the place that I tend to go for solitude. Sometimes I'll just go up for half a day and I'll go into the Lake Geneva Public Library. If you've ever been in there, it has floor-to-ceiling windows on one side looking out over the lake. And I'll just sit there with my Bible and my journal, winter, spring, summer, or fall, trying to make sense of my one and only life. It's where I go to get grounded. And I realized as I was sitting there looking at the lake a few weeks ago that I have a new season to name. Now, getting older, I'm tempted to give it a negative name, like the season of wrinkles or the season of not remembering everything. But along the theme of being gentle with yourself, I actually came up with a different name. And before I tell you what it is, I'd like to say a few words to those of you in the room or worshiping online who, like me, are 60 or older or getting close to it. You may not think there are many of us as a part of Soul City when you first look around. But actually, the truth is, there are quite a few baby boomers among us. Some are even in small groups together. To those of you who find yourself in your final third or your final quarter of life, I invite you to recognize that, as Parker Palmer says, this is no time to hunker down. He's now in his 80s, and he's choosing to focus on delight and gratitude for the gift of life. Psychologist Eric Erickson said that we face a very critical choice as we age. It's a very simple choice between generativity and stagnation. Generativity or stagnation. Instead of becoming cynical 
or critical or numb or bitter or withdrawn, what if instead we choose to develop a beginner's mind, to be curious, ever learning and growing and open? What if our final season is one where we give of ourselves out of the wisdom that comes from experience and often actually from our failures? So my name for this season that I now find myself in is going to be the Being Available season. My husband Warren and I are discovering that the best thing we can do at the beginning of each week is just say to ourselves, God, is there anyone you want us to come alongside and listen to and learn from? It's a season where we don't want to push. We want to be curious and open and use phrases like, tell me more about that, or I could be wrong, or I wonder if. All of us would greatly benefit, I think, from intergenerational connections where we can learn from one another. Some people call it mentoring. Here's one more quote from Parker Palmer. He describes it this way. Mentors and apprentices are partners in an ancient human dance. It is the dance of the spiraling generations in which the old empower the young with their experience, and the young empower the old with new life, reweaving the fabric of human community as they touch and turn. I want to participate in the mentoring dance, knowing that I will receive as le at least as much as I give, and I will learn probably far more than I actually teach. I'm also learning in this being available season how to parent adult children. I didn't realize that parenting never really stops. It just changes over time. A couple weeks ago, Warren and I were talking with each other about how we had received many calls that week from our adult daughters. We did not initiate these calls. They did. And they wanted to talk about different issues like taxes or a job change one of them was contemplating or managing an awkward relationship one of them has at work or even this idea of maybe buying a home for one. And I'm learning as a parent now of adult kids, how to give my presence without pushing, my concern without controlling, and my encouragement without critique. We're learning to try to be good sounding boards. And I continue to learn so much from my daughters and my son-in-law. You see, I think the church, and if you think about this, there aren't many institutions like this in the world. I think the church offers us a rare opportunity for intergenerational relationships. I think this is God's design, to not always separate according to what season we're in, but to cultivate friendships across lines of age and gender and race. I've really seen this play out for my older daughter, Sam, and her husband, Will, because they live all the way in Austin, Texas and they bought their first starter home last year. A friend of theirs named Don, who's a baby boomer in their church, has been incredibly helpful. Recently, he helped Will uh, build a porch on the back of their house. I think we have a couple pictures. There's Will and Don building together. And then you know they had that Texas freeze that was really scary in the winter. Don came over on the day that they were going to turn their pipes on for the first time and hopefully find that they weren't frozen, which, which they weren't. But I am so grateful for Don and his wife because we're very far away and they're able to come alongside our kids. This is the wonder of the church with intergenerational relationships. And I'd love to see more of this, more and more of this here at Soul City. We can help one another walk through each season 
and remind each other of God's steadfast love that never quits. Older moms can come alongside younger moms and remind them that this season too shall eventually pass and that they are not alone. So my challenge to all of us is simply this. Pay attention to your one and only life. Whatever season you have named, take some time to reflect. Where do you go to get grounded? Is there like a chair, a special chair in your apartment or home? Is there a coffee shop, a favorite place that hopefully has reopened that you like to revisit? Or maybe there's some place you actually get intentional a few times a year and drive to, like my Lake Geneva. Because you see, when we take the time to examine our lives, to look at them with one writer calls fierce reality, look at your life with fierce reality, we're able to listen. We give God space to show us the lessons we can learn in every season, and we know that our time on earth is short. I'm challenged by these words from Diane Ackerman. She says, the great affair, the love affair with life, is to live as variously as possible, to groom one's curiosity like a high-spirited thoroughbred, climb aboard and gallop over the thick, sun-struck hills every day. Where there is no risk, the emotional terrain is flat and unyielding, and despite all its dimensions, valleys, pinnacles, and detours, life will seem to have none of its magnificent geography, only a length. But what a savage and beautiful, oh, I'm sorry, I missed a part. It began in mystery. I love this. It began in mystery, and it will end in mystery. But what a savage and beautiful country lies in between. Whatever season you are going through, I want to give you a homework assignment, a challenge. How about if you write your own version of Psalm 136 with the couplets that keep revisiting, his steadfast love endures forever. You could begin with creation, just like the psalmist does. If I were writing one, I would include the magenta blossoms on this tree near my house, and I would talk about the tulips fluttering in the breeze. But you think of what you see in creation and then make a shift just as the psalmist does and think back to the seasons in your life already where God's steadfast love showed up for you. It's like you're saying, remember the time this happened and this happened and this happened. God's your steadfast love never quits. It endures forever. You might remember coming through a broken relationship or an addiction or a job change or a big loss remind yourself, you know what? He was there with me too. He was there with me every time because his love never quits. His steadfast love endures forever. Amen? Yes. And on this Mother's Day, if your mom is still living, whether you can be present with her in person or via Zoom, I challenge you to look her in the eye and tell her how much you appreciate her. That's the best gift you could give her. Be as specific as you can be. Chocolates and flowers are good too, but take your, take your moment, have a moment with your mom. And I close with these words. The Lord is watching over your life. Isn't it great to know someone's watching over you? The Lord is watching over your life. He's watching over your coming and going. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever.
endures forever. Amen and amen. Would you stand so we can pray? Love to pray for all of you. Gracious Father, you are the God of all seasons. You know the name that each person gave to their season because you are watching over us. You see us. You are watching over our lives. And God, some here are stuck. And some are sad. And some are anxious. And some are delighted. And some are victorious. We have a whole range. But I pray that we will know that you are with us and for us in every single season, God. We cannot run away from your reckless love because you are pursuing us and you want to remind us over and over again that your love for us is boundless, it's outrageous, and it's available for us every single season of our lives. And for that, we are deeply, deeply grateful. In the name of Jesus, we pray.